Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to a spoiler review. Today, we're talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So listen to this episode if you, too have watched Across the Spider-Verse, or for some reason you had no intention to see it, and you want to hear the entire thing spoiled in a short little podcast episode. I am a huge Spider-Man fan. I've been sitting with this movie now for a week at the time of recording this, and I have just been all Spider-Man all week long. If you open up my TikTok, it's people breaking down every single scene, people freaking out over parts of this movie, so I feel like I've re-watched the entire thing on social media. And I've had a lot of time to think about what I felt about this movie being such a big Spider-Man fan. And I will say, I still stand by my 4.5 out of 5 review. And by the end of this spoiler review, I can finally tell you why. But let's break down what this entire movie is about. It opens up, like we talked about, in the spoiler-free review with Gwen Stacy, which I love the visuals in that whole opening scene. But she meets Spider-Man 2099 and Spider-Woman, who are from another universe. And she has the whole encounter with... Her dad and, you know, the whole thing with her is she hasn't been able to tell her dad that she is Spider-Woman. And then he finally figures it out and he holds the gun up to his own daughter and is going to arrest her. So after that, she's like, I'm out of here. They put her dad into this force field and they recruit her and they are trying to solve all these Spider-Man related anomalies that are happening across the Spider-Verse. And the thing that we learned in Into the Spider-Verse is if you are in the world that you are not from, you start glitching out and you can't stay there forever. You eventually have to go back to the universe where you are the one and only Spider-Man and that is where you are supposed to live. But the way Gwen and Spider-Man 29 and Spider-Woman and everybody else in this group of Spider-People are able to go into other universes as they have this wristband essentially that keeps them from glitching with this technology so she's traveling around to all these different spider-man universes and trying to stop things from happening and you don't really find out until later but then in her journey she finds her way back to miles's world and goes to see him spend some time with him which is one of my favorite scenes and moments throughout the entire movie 
But then she makes the mistake of telling Miles and he goes and follows her and then jumps into the portal as she goes into yet another Spider-Verse in India. And it's at that Spider-Verse in India where Miles is trying to prove to all the other Spider-People that he is worthy of fighting in the cause and helping them out to save all these people to the point where he does something really heroic and goes back to save someone when they are on the brink of death and you think he saved the day and he's going to be rewarded for this. But there is an odd tone shift when he does that and it feels like something is wrong. Even though he saved the day there, you have this crew going to still try and clean everything up and it doesn't feel like he actually did something good. Then it's shortly after that that you learn through Miles that they are trying to make sure that all these canon events happen in every single timeline. So for the most part, these canon events are really tragic things like Uncle Ben dying, like Aunt May dying. Usually someone has to die for a canon event to happen that makes it so that everything stays in line in the Spider-Verse that the certain people who are affected by these deaths go on to become Spider-Man and everything stays completely in line. And this is all happening while the main villain, Spot, is wrecking havoc in all these different Spider-Verses. So they are chasing him, trying to stop him from doing these things. And Spot is trying to get stronger and stronger so he can go back and defeat Miles because he was offended by what Miles told him at the beginning of the movie, telling him he wasn't a worthy opponent. This is when Miles learns that the canon event in his world is his dad becoming the police chief and then Spot killing him as soon as he becomes the police chief. So Miles obviously isn't going to let his dad die. And it's the heroic Spider-Man thing to go and try and save everybody, which is what he's been doing in this movie, which is what he's been doing since he became Spider-Man. And then you have Spider-Man 2099 telling him, you got to let it happen. We are going to keep you here by force because you have to let this canon event go off because you never were even meant to be Spider-Man. And that's when you have to remember that the Miles we know in our universe was bit by a spider from Earth-42. And we find out that that spider was not meant to bite him. It got there by accident. It was actually supposed to bite a different Miles who lived in Earth-42. And he was supposed to become Spider-Man. And the Miles that we know, our Miles, was supposed to become the Prowler. So from all this chaos, from all this confusion, Miles is able to escape and go back to where he thinks is his home. So there's this device that once you get in it, it looks at your DNA and sends you back where you came from. Miles gets in that and we think he is back home in his world, in his Brooklyn. But everything looks a little bit off. And if you pay attention to the colors, you will notice it's not the colors that our Miles Morales wears. It is the colors of the Prowler. And you find out that in this world, Spider-Man's dad, instead of his uncle, is the one who died. And you think that Aaron Davis in this situation, in this world, is the Prowler. But that's not the case because from the shadows comes another Miles dressed in the Prowler outfit, which would have been our Miles's real fate if everything had happened the way it was supposed to. So with that scene, it completely sets up the second part of this story. 
And that is why I think that the first one is better than the second one. Now, there is nothing wrong with this movie. It is still, in my mind, an almost perfect movie. But I've told you guys time and time again, I just don't like movies being deliberately split into two. And that is why I still think that the first one is better than this one. It's a more cohesive story. The first one doesn't leave you on a cliffhanger. I am not a fan of cliffhangers in movies. I really don't like big movies being split into two. Feels like a tactic. That is meant for TV. Even though we knew this was going to be split into two movies, I didn't realize it would come at this point, the best part in the entire movie. And I loved everything that was fleshed out and developed in this. Although I do think the first act dragged just a little bit. So for that reason and the cliffhanger ending, I had to give it a 4.5 out of 5, which is still awesome. And compared to all the other Spider-Man movies, it's still, in my mind, the best interpretation. I just love the different take on the struggle to become Spider-Man. And we haven't seen this before of a character who was not supposed to be Spider-Man, but still has those same values. Much like Tobey Maguire, much like Andrew Garfield, he wants to help everybody because he believes in the greater good. And that is what being Spider-Man is all about. But now there is a divide between all the Spider-People. Are you with Spider-Man 2099? And you think, well, these things have to happen to keep the world intact to keep all the Spider-Man living in a perfectly synced ecosystem? Or are you with Miles in the mindset that you have to save everybody no matter the circumstances? I, and I think a lot of people, would be on our Miles Morales' side. I just think that's a great struggle. It's a great way to divide a bunch of people, and it led to an awesome scene of Miles being chased by every single Spider-Person. That was an amazing moment, and... I think him saying, nah, I'm going to do my own thing is one of the best lines in a comic book movie. And it was just so much building to that moment. For me, it just came a little bit too late in the movie. So that's why I think I know so many people, really everybody is so hype on this movie, calling it not only the best Spider-Man movie, but calling it the best comic book movie of all time. I'm not ready to give that title away yet because the way this movie ended, I just know that the next installment is going to be so much better. And I think of when I first saw Infinity War, and I still believe that that is a better movie than Endgame. And you think, well, how can you like that cliffhanger ending and not like this one? That was the final part of that story. It was Thanos winning. That was the end. It didn't have to be a good ending, but it was still an ending to that chapter. Endgame picked up from that low moment and tried to fix that. But that story could have ended there. I don't really think that was a cliffhanger. It was just a bummer ending that continued on to a different story in Endgame. We could have not got Endgame and just had Infinity War and thought, man, they really left us on a low note, but sometimes that's how life works out. With this movie, it ends on that cliffhanger of discovering that this Miles in this Earth-42 is actually the Prowler, and then it's like, ah, and then it's over. That is a cliffhanger ending, so I believe it is different in this case. But luckily, we don't have that long to wait because the next part comes out on March 29th, 2024, which is pretty soon. So I'm okay with that. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. The other thing that I found myself enjoying in this movie that I kind of feel is a little bit of a cheap tactic in Marvel movies now is the cameo. I don't want to go watch a movie just because of the cameos. I'm not itching for them. If I like Captain America, I don't need him showing up in an Iron Man movie. If I'm a fan of Ant-Man, I don't care that he shows up in a Thor movie. I will just watch that character's movies. I don't really get the thrill and the hype of just having these random cameos. But there is one cameo in this movie that I got really excited for, for a lot of reasons. 
But it's the scene where Miles is walking through the facility with Spider-Man 2099, with Spider-Gwen and Spider-Punk. And you see all of these villains from all the different universes. And they're all in different animation styles. You also see glimpses of other Spider-Men too. So you see Tobey Maguire as a live action person. You see Andrew Garfield in live action. And you see all the canon events. But I love the part where you see all the different villains like Rhino, like the Green Goblin. They're all just there. But the one I freaked out about because it was a cameo I had been waiting for, it was Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, as the Prowler. And Childish Gambino has a long history with Spider-Man movies, dating back to his time in Community, dating back to about 2010, where... This internet campaign got started around the time where they were casting for The Amazing Spider-Man, which the role ended up going to Andrew Garfield. But somebody on Twitter put up a picture of Donald Glover photoshopped into Spider-Man. He saw it, retweeted it, and started a campaign called Donald for Spider-Man. And it got some pretty good traction. Maybe I'm your hero, Donald for Spider-Man. He has done all the things that I would love to do. He started out in the very early stages of YouTube with Derek Comedy. He went on to be a writer on 30 Rock, which led him to being a cast member on certain episodes of 30 Rock. From there, he branched out into more movies, got more into the mainstream in community on NBC, but was also doing stand-up and doing music with Childish Gambino, but has now become a big movie star. He was freaking Lando in the Solo movie. He was a voice actor in The Lion King, and he is just one of my favorite. I wouldn't say, I don't even just consider him an actor. He is just an entertainer who does it all. And at the time that that internet campaign was getting some traction, even Stan Lee gave the seal of approval on Donald Glover being cast as Spider-Man. There was just so much hate and uproar of people saying there couldn't be a black Spider-Man. But then, of course, what ended up happening, Andrew Garfield got the role. But then through that campaign and through that idea of there needing to be a black Spider-Man, we ended up getting Miles Morales. But his first appearance was in the Ultimate Comics Fallout number four, which was published in August 2011. So you may think that every comic book movie that gets made has source material, maybe dating back to the early days of Marvel dating back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Not the case with Miles Morales. He is a relatively new character. So from that campaign of trying to get Donald Glover to be Spider-Man, we got Miles Morales. Donald Glover even voiced Miles Morales in an animated series of Spider-Man. And then when Marvel was making Spider-Man with Tom Holland, Kevin Feige said, we got to get Donald Glover in this movie. So if you remember back to Spider-Man Homecoming, where Peter Parker is trying to discover in that movie where all of these dangerous weapons are coming from using this very futuristic technology, there is a scene where he meets Donald Glover, and in that movie, Donald Glover is playing Aaron Davis, a.k.a. Miles Morales' uncle, who goes on to be the Prowler and Into the Spider-Verse. And in that scene, he even references... Having a nephew, I think in the deleted scenes, he actually calls him Miles. And now Sony is also developing a movie with Donald Glover as the Prowler. So it all came full circle in this cameo. That is why it meant so much to me. So I don't normally get hype about random cameos, but the smile that went across my face when I saw Donald Glover as the Prowler, I was so happy. 
Another thing that was announced in the week that this movie has been out is that the next chapter will be the final installment of Miles Morales, at least in this capacity. And they are also now greenlighting a live-action Miles Morales movie. The only thing that worries me about that is when it comes to the rights of Spider-Man, which Sony still owns. They only license him to Disney to be a part of the MCU, which is a really expensive deal. But the fate of Spider-Man still lies in Sony. And although they haven't really fumbled the bag when it comes to live-action Spider-Man movies, they just haven't really got it right with any of the side movies. I love Venom. Sometimes even more so than what attracts me to Spider-Man, the character, is all of his villains. Venom being my favorite villain of all time. The look of him, the backstory, everything about Venom is what I love about comic book stories. And getting that Tom Hardy version wasn't exactly what I was looking for with my favorite villain. And don't get me started on what they did with Morbius, Dr. Morbius. It's Morbin time. So I just hope that they don't mess up a live-action Miles movie, and I hope they do some justice with Donald Glover as the Prowler. And I still believe that every superhero movie should be a trilogy, so I would rather them go out with three movies being absolute bangers and not trying to keep cranking these movies out because they are their most popular franchise now, because they are doing so well, because everybody loves these movies. The animator said, they are tired. We are exhausted. We can't keep making these movies. So I appreciate all of the detail they put into this movie. If you look at every single frame, there's something hidden in every single aspect of this movie. The Spider-Man ice cream is one of the Spider-Men in this movie. That is next level. So I do want to go watch this movie again at least one more time in theaters. But as soon as this thing is available for us all to watch at home, I'm going to be re-watching every single second, every single frame of Across the Spider-Verse. So that was really the only things I held against this movie was the cliffhanger ending, making the story feel a little bit incomplete. But I get it was supposed to be a two-parter. From the very beginning, maybe I shouldn't have held that against this movie. But also, the soundtrack in this one wasn't as good as the first one. I loved how the first one blended music in the movie a little bit better than this one. I mean, Sunflower in the first one in that scene of Miles actually interacting with the song. I felt like that had a better tie-in than any song in this movie. But I will say, they both provided us with some iconic Spider-Man moments. But I am saving my 5 out of 5 rating for what I think will come to us in Beyond the Spider-Verse. Again, that is coming out next year, March 29th, 2024. So thank you for listening to this spoiler edition of my Into the Spider-Verse review. I could honestly go and on and on and on and on and on about Spider-Man, but I will leave you with that. So thank you for listening. And until next time, go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from The Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 